Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. And open up with a little on-air confession. I am sitting in my office recording this podcast today, and I have a gigantic cup of coffee. I am uh, moving slow. You know, we record these at various times of the week. You're listening more than likely on a Tuesday, but we record them whenever we can. And today happens to be a Monday after an incredible day at the church at Winder yesterday. And then that flowed into some time at the North Georgia Revival in Dawsonville, Georgia with my friend, Pastor Todd Smith, and uh, just such a great move of God up there, uh, sustaining now for three years with miracles. And we saw video last night with um, another young woman who was uh, baptized up there, came forward for healing from uh, really debilitating Crohn's disease and um, some issues with her legs. And she was baptized and just believing that um, what God has done for, for others in the baptism waters in Dawsonville um, that he would do for her. And um, literally she had to be carried into the building. She had an, this Crohn's disease is so messed up her insides that uh, she has a difficulty drinking and eating and doing anything. And she had been in bed for three months. Her testimony was that she hadn't walked in three months. And they laid her in the pool and she was radically, radically um, touched. Now this didn't happen last night but they showed the video of it last night and um literally she's weeping she's standing she she was walking the first thing she said is get me a bottle of water and she you know the people that were with her were afraid that she was going to get really sick because that's been her pattern she drank the whole bottle of water and just started weeping saying he loves me he loves me he loves me it was just such a powerful night man and um if you live anywhere in north georgia really anywhere in the southeast you need to go um, and be a part of Christ Fellowship in Dawsonville, Georgia. Just look it up, find the website, and every Sunday night for three years they've been having revival services where amazing things are happening. Um, you know, those they're great to go to, but starting in my day yesterday at 5.30 a.m. and not getting home until 9.30 last night, uh, that was a really long-winded way of saying I have a gigantic cup of coffee here because I'm really, really tired. So if you hear me sipping on the coffee, that's just simply because I am trying to stay awake while I bring you something that I woke up with burning on my heart. Um, I'm teaching at the Church of Winder where I serve as their new pastor. I've been here a couple of months after 27 years at Meadow and Newbridge and then uh, shifting up here. I'm teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights. And hold on, coffee sip. Ah, yes, very good. Liquid, liquid love. Um, teaching on Wednesday nights on the gift of the spirit, gifts of the spirit. Um, some may say, Jeff, why are you doing that? Isn't that a non-denominational charismatic church? Yeah, it is. Um, and I will just say this, both those people that believe in the gifts and those that don't believe in the gifts need to be biblically aligned with what the Bible says about the gifts. And so since I'm new here, I want to make sure we're all on the same page in a charismatic church of, um, you know, what does the Bible say about the gifts and how do we steward these things? Because when the Holy Spirit moves, um, it gets very interesting. And I want us to do our very best to be in alignment with the scriptures. It's not legalistic. I'm not trying to quench the spirit or control the spirit. He gets to do whatever he wants. He's God. But at the same time, we know that God works in accordance with his word. And so I've been teaching and I've been thinking primarily about the gift of faith in the last several days. I planned on preaching on it last Wednesday, but 
uh, those we ran out of time, and I, so I got through Word of Knowledge and Word of Wisdom, but had to stop on faith. And so this week I'll be picking back up on faith. But I really wanted to do just a little bit of a podcast on it, and I'm going to come from a, um, I guess a different element, a different place. I'm not going to go into First Corinthians 12 where it talks about the gift, the charisma of faith. And I'm, I'm really going to give an illustration of uh, faith and and just how we struggle with it can we just get honest guys um there are there are people in the body of christ i'm one of them who don't always operate at you know just this stellar sense of unwavering faith in every situation faith is a muscle that grows the more you use it and we have to use our faith daily and Sadly, a lot of Christians have structured their lives to where they they don't need faith. Um, they believe in it philosophically, but when there's no action that's attached to a belief system, it becomes a philosophy, not a not an actual value. And so, valuing faith is huge. It's so important that we don't just treat it like you know that's something the Bible talks about, but we actually live it. And so in order to do that, you have to take risks. In order to do that, you have to pursue the Lord. And if you're following the Lord, I'm going to promise you something. He will regularly lead you into things that you cannot do. You need to hear me on that. If you personally are following the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, if you're obeying the will of God as you discern the will of God, he will regularly lead you into things that you cannot do. He will put you in circumstances that you cannot handle. He will put challenges before you that you cannot overcome. Now, that flies in the face of a lot of teaching in the Western church. But here's the here's the caveat. You cannot fix these things, overcome these things, win these battles, rise to these challenges and in, in victory. You cannot do it on your own. That's the key. It's about not being able to do it on your own, but clearly being able to do it as you partner with the Lord by faith. And so in Mark chapter number nine, this is um, a passage of scripture that most of us are familiar with. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read a little bit of it, but Jesus has been up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. Oh, and by the way, Moses and Elijah. And Jesus was transfigured up there where his glory just for a moment began to shine through and the disciples, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus for uh, who he actually was in his glory. One moment, please. (sighs) Liquid love. Thank you. And so while they were on the mountain, they saw a glimpse of Jesus in all of his glory. And then they had to come down off the mountain. And so they had this major mountaintop experience. It was full of power, full of, you know, heaven's atmosphere coming to earth and, Um, But eventually you got to come down off the mountain because most of the people that were called to serve are not on the mountaintop. (laughs) They're at the foot of the mountain struggling. And that's exactly what Jesus found. So when he comes down, his disciples that didn't go up on the mountain are down there. And there's a big issue going on because the disciples had encountered a demonically possessed boy that they couldn't heal. Now, please remember, Jesus has given his followers the power to cast out demons. That's not past tense. That's present tense. And I'll talk about that in a different podcast. But we have the power to cast out demons. Greater is the one who lives in you than the one who lives in the world. And so we actually have authority and power to cast out demons. And Jesus' disciples could not do it. So there's this father that brings his son to Jesus. And Jesus says, what's going on? 
And the father says, I brought my son to be um, healed of this demonic possession to be delivered. And uh, your disciples couldn't do it. And then he, the man makes this statement in, in Mark 9. Um, he, he says in Mark 9, verse 22, speaking of the demon, it says, it is often cast my son into the fire and into water to destroy him. But Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Oh, wow. He didn't know that he just stepped into it. He looked at the omnipotent son of God who rules and reigns over creation. And he says, if you can help us, please do so. Now, why did the guy doubt Jesus's ability to deliver his son from demonic possession? Well, it's very clear why. Because Jesus's disciples couldn't do it. It's a reminder. Every time I read this passage of scripture, it is a reminder to me, and I'll just go ahead and throw this out there for you as a believer, as a Jesus follower, that some people formulate their entire understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus can do based on what they see coming through our lives, through the life of the Christian, through the life of a church. Um, you cannot fault the unbelieving world. People, you know, Christians, we're, we're kind of flippant with this. We, we say sometimes, Hey, you just need to keep your eyes on Jesus. I know you're unsaved and you're bitter and you're, you, you don't love God and you, you know, are disgusted with the church and you think Christians are hypocritical and smarmy and, you know, self-righteous and indif indifferent and discompassionate and pick and choose what they believe is right. Um, I, I know you believe that, but just put your eyes on Jesus. And the reality is, is that they can't. They can't see Jesus because they're blinded by the, by the God of this world according to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. So they can't see Jesus. They just look at us. And Christians, when they look at us, what do they see? Well, I'm hoping when they're looking at you that they're seeing somebody who's really in love with Jesus and trying his or her best to follow Jesus passionately, operating in the power of God according to the truth of God with a consistency and temperance and self-control that comes from one who's filled with the Spirit. Well, the disciples had been casting out demons. They, man, they were casting out demons left and right, but they, they come against this one and this boy and, and they couldn't get the demon out. So Jesus and is coming down off the mountain, having experienced a, a taste of, you know, the glories of heaven up on the mountain. And he comes down and there's the problems. And his disciples were floundering. And Jesus actually says this. He says, oh, faithless generation how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring that boy to me. Literally, Jesus rebukes his own disciples in front of everybody. He says, y'all are a faithless group of people. How long am I going to have to put up with this? You can kind of get it. I mean, he's the son of man. He's been on the mountain with Moses and Elijah in the glory of heaven descending on the mountain. He comes down and these guys can't even do what they've been doing. They've been empowered and authorized to do and they can't do it. And Jesus, you can almost hear him sighing, faithless generation. How long do I have to put up with this stuff? How long am I going to be with you? Bring me that boy. And so they bring the boy to Jesus. The boy is demon possessed. The demon knows what's about to happen. So he convulses the boy, throws him on the ground. And this has been going on his whole life. We don't know how old he is, but from his whole life, from childhood anyway, um, the demon was just tormenting and trying to destroy this, this child. And so the father says, yeah, I hear, I hear you guys cast out demons, but your disciples couldn't do it. Jesus, I'm at my wits end. If, 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 if you can, can you please do something? And so Jesus says something there in this passage. He, he says, 
if you can. And Jesus challenges the man. If you can, what do you mean if I can? And then he says, all things are possible for one who believes. Now, guys, I don't want to just rush past this statement. It's a massive statement from Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the context of a man being faced with an impossibility and being heartbroken in love over this demonizing of his son. This man was discouraged by what he saw in the church. This, you know, The disciples couldn't do anything to help his boy. And so he's at such a low place of confidence in Jesus that he's being honest. He just says, hey, I don't know if anything's going to happen here, but if you can do it, please, 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 if you can, help us. And Jesus says, oh, sir, it's not if I can. I want to tell you something. Do you believe me? Do you believe that I can do this? Because all things are possible to the person that believes. So let's leave the context of 2,000 years ago and um, let's pause for a moment and, and just ponder what's going on in your life. What's going on in your world? What's the impossibility you're facing? What is the closed door that just won't open? What is the thing that's been downgraded in your life, stolen from your life, um, stifled in your life? Is it in your body? Is it in your ministry? Is it in your relationships? Um, is, it, is it something in your finances? Is it a, a ministry that just doesn't have oil on it anymore? And you've gone so long with no breakthrough that there could be, I'm not saying there is, but I've, I've been there before that this component, this seed of doubt gets in and we're like, well, maybe, maybe God doesn't want to do this. I'm, I'm never one who says God can't. I'll just be honest with you. I got that settled, you know, a couple of decades ago. God can do anything, but that's not where I struggle. Sometimes I struggle not whether he can, but whether he will. And that whether he will is an issue of faith and doubt. And so I'm just going to assume that some of you that are listening also have struggled with the yes, God can, but I wonder if he will scenario. And Jesus is always inviting us into deeper confidence in his willingness to act on our behalf. Do you remember the verse in 2 Chronicles 16.9? This just popped into my head here. 2 Chronicles 16.9 is an amazing verse, and it tells you something about God that is in effect all the time. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says this, The eyes, I learned it in King James, so just let me quote it in King James. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And that word perfect means upright. It means blameless. It means you're living without duplicity, without compromise. You're not in and out. You're not toying around with sin. And the Bible says, know this for a fact, the Lord is looking for people like that so he can show himself strong on their behalf. And for me, it takes out of the equation that orphan-fueled doubt of saying, yeah, I know he can, but will he? Well, listen, 
we wrestle through prayer. We come to the place where we've got to decide, is this thing I'm praying through, this thing that I can't get breakthrough on, is it of God or not? And I'm just of the mindset. I get bulldogish on this, man. I'm like, okay, if, if I don't know it's not of God and God isn't saying it's not of him, then I'm going for it. I'm pressing in. He wants to show himself strong on my behalf. And he tells me that all things are possible to him that believes. And listen, I could give you literally a hundred, well, maybe not a hundred. I could give you literally at least 50 different verses from scripture that compel us to believe for the impossible. And what we've done I want you to hear me on this. I pray that this will land with some young people so that you don't hit your, you know, your 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you're still struggling with this nonsense. But we've got to come to the place where we, we just have to fight in the, in the spirit. We've got to wage war in the spirit. And some of the times, the number one thing you've got to wage war on is your own doubting heart. You, you literally have. Do you remember when the psalmist, it was King David, he said, soul, why are you disquieted within me? And he says to his soul, he starts instructing his soul. And he's talking to himself. He's saying, I want you, my soul, to get with it. Why are you upset? Why are you struggling? Why are you waiting? David actually, from his spirit, begins to instruct his soul. And sometimes that's what you got to do with your doubts. Sometimes you just have to go hard after your doubts and look at it like a foreign invader that doesn't belong in your life. And it's so much more in depth than power of positive thinking or, you know, giving yourself a pep rally speech. I'm not talking about that kind of superficial junk. I'm saying, hey, look, if you're doubting God, you need to deal with that. You've got to deal with that. Doubting God is not a small thing. It's Listen, there we can have compassion at times for people when they're doubting and struggling in the faith. But some of you have made a lifestyle out of it. And you don't need compassion. You don't need somebody to pat you on the head and tell you, oh, it's going to be okay. No, you actually need somebody to love you enough to say, hey, you've got, a, you've got an, an internal problem if you're constantly doubting God. That's not his will for you. And so you've got to get to the place where you receive the confrontation and, and you, you have to deal with it. You've got to address that thing. So, you know, you might wonder, well, Jeff, how do I know if it's just a momentary doubt or if it's a lifestyle of doubt? Well, do you doubt God about most things? Do you doubt God very frequently? Do you live with the constant shrugging in the spirit and say, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. When the Bible says, you know, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And you're like, maybe, maybe not. No, that's not what it says. It's yes or no. And if you're always hearing no, then you've got a, you've got a doubt issue. And what you need is you need an increase of faith very quickly here. In 1 Corinthians 12, since we're talking about the, we're talking about faith, I'll, I'll remind you, uh, saving faith is, yes, a gift of the sovereign God. Nobody comes to Jesus Christ of their own accord. It is because God draws, God initiates, God gives the faith to believe. I don't want to get you know in the weeds today as far as you know human culpability and responsibility when it comes to salvation versus the sovereignty of God. But let me tell you this, for all of you that are saved, it isn't because you woke up one day and you just decided, hmm, I think I'll give my life to Jesus. It's because God was at work in your heart, bringing you to the place of repentance. The Bible speaks of God granting repentance to people so that they can believe. And God granted you repentance and he quickened your faith and you believed on Jesus Christ. And so from that point forward, you, you, you have faith. But listen, God gives faith for life. That means you have to grow in faith. You need faith way beyond your salvation moment. Salvation is just the starting gun. Then you run the race. Death is the finish line. And all during the race, you're doing it by faith. And so you have to build your faith. And the only way you build your faith is by using it. 
You don't build your faith just by reading. Guys, hear me on this. I'm, I'm a book dude. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher. I love the word of God. I love learning. I love knowledge. I love growing. I'm, I'm so pro study. I believe in study. But your faith doesn't grow by studying. Now, listen, I understand that it says faith comes by hearing the word of God. But that faith comes by hearing the word. That word word is not logos. It's rhema. And that's the word that is spoken by the Lord, not the logos, not the written word of God. And yes, there is a difference. And so the rhema word is what, what is God speaking to you through maybe the written word or through the prophetic word? What is he speaking to you? Because that, when you act upon it, when you believe that, that's what faith grows your faith. Do you hear me on that? Some of you guys, you're just saying, I got to study more. I got to study more. I got to read my Bible more. Well, keep reading your Bible, but don't presume that as you read your Bible, that your faith is going to grow. Your faith doesn't grow unless you act on what you read. And so I think that we've got to get to this point where we, we start actually putting ourselves in positions where we have to trust God again. All right, hold on. Another, another sip of liquid love. I could edit out all these coffee drinking moments, but, um, (laughs) I don't think you're going to quit listening because I drank coffee and interrupted my flow of thought, getting back to that flow of thought. If you are not living and working ways, listen, some of you are being given opportunities and you say no because your instinct tells you, and that's not for me. I don't want to do that. I don't know if I have enough bandwidth. I don't know if I have enough gift, or maybe that's not exactly what I envisioned I'd be doing. Some, sometimes you have to do, you have to have faith to commit to something that is, can I say it this way? Beneath what you thought you'd be doing. People say, oh, I need faith. I need faith to go and, and go overseas and I'm going to plant a church or I'm plant a house of prayer. And I, that's faith. That's great. That is awesome. But sometimes God wants you to have faith to show up and be a front door greeter on a Sunday morning or to serve in children's ministry or the nursery, or God wants you to cut your neighbor's grass. And, and you do that by faith. What is the faith? The faith is not in your ability to start the lawnmower. The faith is in your ability that what you're doing actually pleases the father because you're doing something outside of your comfort zone for the good of somebody else. We think of faith as only mountain moving faith, only casting out demon faith, only, you know, prophetic word faith. All that stuff's great, man. That's I'm, I'm not downplaying it. But guys, faith is everything. Faith is simply I saying I believe that the Lord has given me this opportunity. I'm going to do it and I'm going to leave all the results to God. So some of you don't have mountain moving faith yet or don't have breakthrough in your life and you, you, God hasn't given you the big dramatic assignment yet because you haven't used faith to do the boring stuff. You haven't used faith to do the unglamorous, never makes the headlines, not on Instagram stuff. And, and guys, we've got to get to that place. We got to get to that place where we just start saying, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. And, uh, you actually sometimes have to do that for months and years. Every, I want you to hear this. Every opportunity that comes your way, you need to think of it as a seed. Some opportunities are not of the Lord. Sometimes you just simply have to say no. But I'm going to tell you some of the things that you've said no to more than likely were seed opportunities that God wanted to plant in your life that was going to blossom and then grow branches and bear fruit for that big thing that you've been asking for. But you rejected the seed. You said no to the unspectacular because it was unspectacular. 
and therefore you you said no to the seed that would have blossomed into something because you would have used faith and faith is a muscle that grows when you use it so let me finish up getting back to mark chapter number nine this guy has been told by jesus what do you mean if i can do anything sir all things are possible to him that believes and i love the man's response and guys listen you just need to to get honest sometimes this is where you are and if you're there right now you need to get honest about it what does the man say he's desperate his son is still being tormented as they speak by that demon right in front of them and jesus just said all things are possible to the one that believes and so the man says lord i do believe but i need you to help me with my unbelief lord i do believe i need you to help me with my unbelief what is he saying lord I believe in you. I wouldn't have come to you if I didn't believe in you. But what I've seen from your disciples and the fact that I'm looking at my still demonized son is fostering deep doubt within me. And I need you to help me with that. It's one of the most honest, spontaneous prayers in all of the word of God. Lord, I do believe you, but I need help with my struggle to believe you fully. So Jesus um, walks out, oh, excuse me, walks over. A crowd is gathering. Jesus is just wanting to take care of this thing and help this man. And so he, he himself rebukes the, the unclean spirit, the demon. And, and he says this, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter into him again. <laughs> I love the Lord Jesus. Jesus wasn't there to do a wow miracle. So everybody say, cool, wow, what a miracle. He was there to help a little boy and to help a father who was struggling to believe. And he says to the demon, get out of this boy and you don't get to come back. And so the demon comes out of this kid. It was a very violent deliverance. He's convulsing him terribly. And then the boy was so racked through the exit of the demon that people literally thought he was dead. And that crowd that it was gathering starts saying the boy's dead because he's laying there after the demon left him. And so Jesus takes him by the hand and lifts him up. This is all, by the way, in the book of Mark chapter nine, you can read it around verse 22 or so and lifted him by the hand and the boy's fine. Lord, I believe help my unbelief. And Jesus says, okay, I will. I wonder what will happen if you start getting like really serious. I feel this so strongly right now. Get really serious about where you are in faith, where you are in trusting Jesus. Especially those of you that are committed and those of you that love the Lord and the Lord's things. You love worship. You love prayer. You love ministry. You love spiritual warfare. You love, you know, living on mission. You love koinonia, being with the believers like the more surrounded you are by Christian stuff, the more susceptible you are to living in a theoretical Christianity. Hello. Hello. Did you hear that? The more surrounded you are by Christian stuff, the more susceptible you are to living in a theoretical Christianity. Faith is usually fostered when you're in over your head. And a lot of people refuse to get in over their head. They play it safe, and your faith is anemic, and it never grows. Um, guys, I've lived that way before. I've lived in seasons of my life. Most of my life, God has seen fit to leave me in waters where I could never touch the bottom. 
most of my Christian life. I've been saved for about 27 years. And most of those years I have been way in over my head and I've gotten used to living like that, but I haven't always responded. I kind of find me a little kingdom sandbar when I'm in over my head. You ever been in the ocean and you get out way too deep and then swim a little bit further, like you're going deeper and deeper, but eventually you hit a sandbar and you can stand up. I've lived a few seasons on a sandbar because I didn't want to go any deeper. And of course I couldn't turn around and go back. Some of you are living on a sandbar. And you just need to get out and swim in the deep again. Some of you need to just go ahead and say yes. You know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just go ahead and jump off the sandbar, get back into the deep and start swimming. Say, well, Jeff, I might drown out there. Well, you you won't, but uh, I I would rather um, swim out to what God has for me than to, you know, dry up on the sandbar. I just would. I'd I'd rather risk drowning than risk drying. And, And so I really want to encourage some of you. Ask God to help your unbelief. Lord, help my unbelief. I do believe you. I love you. I'm saved, Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of my life. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is glorious. He is Savior, Shepherd, Sovereign, Lord over everything. He's my Redeemer. He's my friend. He's my master. He's my teacher. Jesus, you are everything to me, and I praise you, but I'm struggling to trust you with my own itty-bitty life. And go ahead and you get honest with that, and then your, your breakthrough may happen in, you know, one verse later in your life. Because as soon as the man confessed that, Jesus didn't say anything else. He just turned his attention towards the thing that the man was struggling to deal with, which was his demonized son. And Jesus healed him, delivered him, set him free. Later, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, hey, Lord, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And Jesus told them that their faith and the level of their faith was connected to their abiding in him and their intimacy with the father. He said, oh, the demon you were trying to cast out, you couldn't cast out because you guys are prayerless. You you guys are are living in your own strength. You're resting in your own gifting. It's an amazing thought, and i got to wrap up with this. Jesus said to the disciples, you were trying to do today's challenges with yesterday's power. That's a word for some of you. This season you're entering in, God's saying, oh, you won't be able to do what I've got for you in yesterday's power. You need to get on your face. You need to abide in me. You need to change your approach because what I've got for you will not work with the the trust muscle that you used last chapter. The faith that you used in the last season will be insufficient for the season coming. And so you say, oh, Lord, I do believe you, but help me with my unbelief. And Jesus says, "Okay, I will. And he does, friends. So. Those are my thoughts today. I'm so grateful that you've tuned in to Mavericks and Misfits, and I hope that you'll continue to listen. I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast. Um, We're coming up on uh, about six months of doing this, and we're just going to continue to do it. Uh, Pray for us at Transforming Truth. Mavericks and Misfits is underneath the umbrella of Transforming Truth. Pray for us. We've got to raise a lot of money. We just sent $5,000 into various ministries in Africa, which we were so excited about. Um, I'd like to continue to do that, but we also have to fund our home-based stuff, the television, the app, the uh, just everything, guys. And you know, we, we on this, on this uh, podcast, we don't ask for any donations or anything, but if you want to help us do missions and media, you can go to transformingtruth.org and you can 
prayerfully consider whether God might be stretching your faith to help us do in the next season what we've been doing since 2007. So think about that. And by the way, there's a ton of free resources on Transforming Truth. And uh, we just want to feed you and strengthen your faith. Some of you just got help today. The Lord's answering your prayers. You've been asking him, you know, God, I need help. And he's just saying, yeah, um, I'm I'm stretching your faith muscle and I'm building it because what's coming from me for you, my child, is going to require a deeper trust. So consider that. And we will talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Bye-bye. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography titled Figuring It Out As I Go shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24 and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.